You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soulsmith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. And I'm Corinne Fay. I work on Burnt Toast and run Sell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus size clothing. So you are all very lucky. You are getting two Corinne episodes this month because I asked her to join me for today's community episode. Thank you, Corinne. Thanks for having me. <laughs> the theme of today's episode is how do we feel about the word fat? Yeah, this is something we've been kind of talking about because as we're going to get into, there's like stuff in the, I, don't know, I was going to say the news, but it doesn't exactly make the news. It's news for us. News for us. Yeah. It's not like on the evening news. Yeah. Um, but there's stuff happening in that activism circles slash news that sort of got us thinking about this question again. And it's like an evergreen question, right? Because we've covered it on the newsletter before, but it comes up a lot like who gets to call themselves fat? What if you just don't want to use the word fat? All of that kind of stuff. So, Corinne, tell us your story. When did you start using the word fat or specifically reclaim the word fat for yourself? I have this core memory of reading a teen magazine with one of my friends in middle school, and it said something about like plus size model or something. And I remember just being like, but what is plus size? Mm. Like, I don't know what that means. And I know that like I'm sort of like on the edge. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my friend being like, oh, my God, Corinne, like you are not plus size. Oh, and she thought that was like very reassuring. Yeah. And yeah. I think also was genuinely like you're not. But like the thing is, I was probably like a size 12 and like plus in, size models are I was gonna like say, in modeling than that. land. Exactly. As yeah. we learned from the mid-size queens, that's, yeah, on <laughs> yeah. the large size of the plus size model. Yes, I, I yes. had a huge rib cage. Um, <laughs> and the other childhood memory I have of like fatness is I remember coming across the book Fatso in... Oh, by Marilyn Wan, right? Yes. Yeah. In yeah. the public library. Like, I stumbled across it. Oh, what a great find for a kid. I know. I would love to know what librarian, like, put it on a <gasps> display shelf. Oh, bless her or him or them. I found it, and I remember being like, I really want to read this. I'm, like, so interested. And also, like, I don't want anyone to see me reading this and mm. think that I'm fat. Like, it felt very, like, Interesting. not allowed. Were you fat at that point or were you I mean, still I think the, like, it was probably around the same age. Like, I was yeah. probably, like, a size 12 or 14, right. but also, like, 12 years old, you know? Right. Like, Yeah, and so in that gray space where holding a book with the word fat under the cover, you would feel like you were announcing, so, like, coming out. Yes, then <laughs> suddenly people would notice that right. I was fat as if they hadn't been noticing the your body time. ever before. And I think there is something about, like, when you do sort of decide that you're going to embrace that word, you do have to admit that, like— you are fat and people know you're fat. Like yeah. there's this way in yeah. which like if you don't talk about it, then like no one notices. It's definitely, if you're yeah. not talking about it, even if they're noticing, there's like most people who are kind to you and in your life will not talk about it. And then I think well into adulthood, like I think around like 2016, I really had like a mind change around it. And honestly, I think it was really influenced by shrill the book by lindy west yeah. and also that this american life episode wow. i think that was like the first time that i was like really seeing my experience like reflected back to me in totally media yeah and then i was fully just like i'm fat that's so powerful yeah shrill was so powerful for so many oh people. my god yeah amazing. amazing the book and the show that totally makes sense that's really cool 
Yeah. What about you? I don't have one moment like that, like finding Marilyn Wan or finding Lindy. Yeah. And I think part of it is because my fatness like came on quite gradually. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Like I was a thin kid. I had thin privilege. I got fatter in college, like freshman year of college, but still wore straight sizes. Then did a lot of dieting and stuff in my 20s to stay in straight sizes. And so my 30s was like this sort of, you know, giving up dieting and settling into my adult body, which has always intended itself to be a small fat body for sure or a fat body. Yeah. So it was like the process of stopping fighting that. But I think I struggled to claim it a little bit. Like finding small fat was really helpful for me because I didn't want to be claiming it and trying to imply that my experience was that of people who deal with more oppression than I do. The other piece of it I think that was more conscious was I really wanted to reclaim the word in our house around our kids. Mm. And by reclaim, I mean just claim it for them because they didn't have a negative. So, you know, I wanted to like give them a baseline of fat as a positive word. And so that helped me really lean into it, particularly I would say in the last five years or so. And it's been really cool to see my kids use it in a very offhand, whatever kind of way. And so that is also why I like put it in the book title. And every interview I'm doing for the book now, I feel like somewhat surprised, but also not that one of the questions is always tell us why do you use the word fat? Interesting. Particularly by straight sized folks. I'm being asked it a lot. Like, why do you say the word fat? And do I have to say fat? And can I say fat? And, you know, what's the power of teaching kids to say fat? Like, it makes me realize how many people still are like, nowhere with that reclaiming concept. Just in like getting ready for this, I googled the book Fatso and was just like looking at some excerpts from it online and I was like just really struck by how relevant it still seems. It seems like the same stuff we're talking about now. I know, I know. And it came out in 1998. Oh god, thank you Marilyn Wan for your link. (laughs) I don't I think I realized it was quite that old. I thought it was like 2010 or something. Yeah, I, I was I really surprised. I mean, it must be very irritating to be in that first or second wave of fat activists who like put all that out. And then there's yeah. like all of us being like, we've newly acquired this language. And they're like, yeah, yeah. it's been there. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. We see the labor for sure. Well, on that note, we're going to hear from a Burnt Toast community member named Valerie, just about the power of reclaiming that word. Awesome. I am what's considered super fat, which is the terminology we use at the No Lose Fat Liberation Queer Conference, where I really learned most of what I know about fat liberation. Even if someone can only see my face over Zoom or something, it's very clear that I am fat. And I have been fat since I was nine years old. I was very severely bullied in late elementary, middle, and high school for my weight. And though my parents never put me on a diet or made me feel bad directly about my body, and they are both in larger bodies, they dieted constantly in my youth. So I absorbed those messages anyway. It's important for me to use the term fat to destigmatize it and emphasize it as a neutral term like height or hair color or something as much as anything can be neutral. I find that when I lead a conversation by using the word fat, things go better. And using this language with children has been especially powerful as I use my standard script of, 
Well, fat isn't a bad or good word. It's a neutral descriptive word. Someone can be thin or fat, tall or short, but any word can be used to hurt someone's feelings if you say it in a way that's intended to hurt them. But there shouldn't be anything bad or mean about saying the word fat. I know I can't undo all of society's messaging, but I hope that at least being introduced to body neutral concepts by a fat adult can plant some positive seeds for the children in my life. Yeah, so hearing Valerie's story is making me realize I don't want to talk about it, but it's recent enough. I guess we have to talk about the whale and the travesty that is Brendan Fraser's Oscar and the makeup artist Oscar. Listening to Valerie talk about all this so beautifully, I'm just like, why did they think it was okay to tell this story without talking to from what we can tell, any super fat people, like, at all. Like, it just was no yeah. nowhere part of their work. Even a moderately fat person, I don't feel, was consulted in the making of that film. Yeah, I have to admit I've been kind of avoiding hearing about the whale stuff. Very valid. We will not use details here because I don't want to trigger anyone. It's so toxic. Did you watch it? No, God, no. No, no. Okay, I, okay. I'm extremely grateful to Lindy West and Roxanne Gay, who, Mm -hmm. like, really took that bullet for all of us. They both watched it. I felt like enough folks watched it and wrote the beautiful critiques, and I am reading the critiques and learning from them and, like, do not need to put myself through it. But it was really a selfless act for them to do that because it does not sound like a pleasant viewing experience at all. And it's just maddening. It's it was, but it was really, I didn't watch the Oscars either because I go to bed early, but just seeing the clips afterwards and seeing the like total, like just so much joy for him and like, oh, he's always been this amazing, wonderful actor. And like his speech was full of fat jokes and weird references. And oh God, I'm sorry, I can't celebrate him. You cannot, as a dominant group, take a marginalized group story and just like decide you can do whatever you want with it. Like, it's unacceptable. Right. Even if you land on a few powerful moments, even if you manage to like come up with a few things that resonate as true for some people in that marginalized group, like it's still not okay. It does feel like we're really at the point in culture where like taking on someone else's identity for entertainment purposes is not cool. Like we could move past that. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to keep ranting about the whale. Valerie, thank you for sharing your experience and we need more of these stories. And I also really like what Valerie says about how powerful it is to talk to kids about this and to, you know, explain that fat is a neutral descriptive word with kids because I hear this a ton from parents. With fat parents, I think it's like I'm figuring out how I feel about the word, but also what do I do with my kids? And with straight-sized parents, it's like this total deer in headlights moment when their child uses the word fat. And they're like, I don't want to imply that fat is bad, but I also don't want them to hurt people's feelings. And what do I do? What do I do? So let's hear from B, who had some great thoughts about that. I have kids in the loudly saying awkward things phase, and it's easy when it's about me. Mama, Little Witch Hazel in the book looks like you. She's fat, she has hairy legs and long hair. Oh, wow, yeah, and her nose sunburns like mine. Not hard to treat the word fat as applied to me, as if it's perfectly neutral. But when they talk about other people, if they say, that person's in a wheelchair, I can say, yep, isn't it cool, we all get around differently. That person's skin is brown. Yes, it's beautiful how many colors people are made in. I want race and disability and body size to be things they can talk about without shame and without the idea 
that their small, white, able bodies are in any way better than others. But when they say, that person's fat, it's hard to say, yep, it's great the bodies come in all different shapes and sizes, because of the yep, because the person may not feel neutral about being called fat. My four-year-old recently exuberantly told our neighbor that her legs were really big, and the neighbor just grinned, but I was at a loss for words, other than quietly reminding the kid that everybody is great, and in our culture, we still don't comment on other people's bodies. Similar to Valerie, B is sort of touching on the fact that, like, while a lot of people have reclaimed the word fat, it still can be used as an insult, and it's, like, kind of hard to walk that line because even though we might feel one way about the word, we can't really predict how someone else might feel about it. Also, kids' ways of commenting are so specific. Like, I love that the four-year-old is like, your legs are really big. Like, that's just such a kid way to put it. Yeah. I'm glad the neighbor was, like, fine with it, it seems like. But I totally get, as a parent, you're like, I don't even know what to do with that. It is tricky, and you want to make space for, like, people's boundaries around talking about their bodies is really important to respect. And I think you can totally do that while framing that as a positive thing. And even the thing about saying, like, we don't comment on other people's bodies, it's like, do kids really hear that? (laughs) I feel like 50% of what kids say is just commenting on what other people are doing. I don't think they necessarily will get it and, like, perfectly execute it, but I think it seeps in over time. Like, I don't comment a lot on my kids' bodies. Do you know what I mean? So I model it that, like, I give them the same boundary. You're then teaching them that, like, their bodies are their own, and, of course, they should give other people. Like, another way it comes up a lot with kids is, like, siblings hitting each other Um, is a good moment to be like, we don't touch other people's bodies in ways they don't like. Wow. Yeah. So please stop pushing your sister because she took the calico critter you wanted to use. (laughs) So it's real not life. to be specific. Yeah, not that that happens in my house 900 times a week. But anyway, so I think thinking of comments around fatness, other people's fatness in that same vein, you're not shaming the fatness. You're just helping them understand body autonomy. There's just been a lot going on on the internet around this. You know, there's been a lot of fat creators who have decided to pursue weight loss. Mm-hmm. There's been the whole mid-sized queen stuff. Yep. I did just see Mariel Elizabeth post that Ozempic is like actively seeking plus-size content creators to work with. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. So prepare yourself for that. I assume Mariel was like, get the fuck out of town. I think she was posting it as like, heads up, this yeah. is coming. Like, This is being pitched to plus-size creators. Of course it is. I mean, it's really hard because people's individual choices around their bodies are their own business. And also, when fat creators take this turn, it often comes with a really clear intention to distance themselves from fatness. And that is really harmful. I mean, that is what we saw in, we'll link to Catherine's TikTok responding to the creator whose name I forget, but she was talking about how, like, I've had it all wrong and, you know, they've lied to you to think that it's okay to be this size. And, like, it was very, like, conspiracy theorist or, like, it's super unsettling to see that, see that turn. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing that makes it so complicated is like the money part. Like, I don't know. My choice whether or not to pursue weight loss might change a lot if someone was paying me to do it. That's a great point. Yeah. That's super murky. I mean, that's like, what's her name? The actress from This Is Us. Chrissy. Oh, Chrissy Metz? Yes. And, you know, it was like in her contract that that character was going to lose weight. And of course, like for that actor, that that was like a breakout role. Like, how do you not say yes to that part? Oh, you know, so then you're signing on to this whole thing. And then the other thing is just because someone is public and fat does not mean they are a fat liberationist or a fat activist of any kind. Right. Yeah. So like that is something that I think like we as consumers of content need to be more discerning about. Like, if you're following someone for their great plus-size fashion, like, I hope it's Marielle Elizabeth, who is also, like, wildly articulate and brilliant about talking about fat liberation. But there's a lot of fat fashion influencers who have been very visible, but who are not necessarily focusing on fat liberation. And so that's a complicated space. For me, it just keeps coming back to the money thing. Like, you're not seeing someone who's just making like a neutral choice. You're seeing someone who's like being paid to advertise something. A hundred percent. And then it's also true that any fat person is experiencing the bias of going into doctor's offices and having their weight weaponized against them and having weight loss prescribed without, you know, any second thought. So this is Layla talking about this experience of doctor's offices and how that can really trigger the spiral of I can't be this size and needing to distance from fatness. So a few years ago, I went to the doctor for what I thought was a routine checkup. And as they do before every appointment, they ask you to step on the scale. And I was pretty shocked at the number that I saw. It was the most I had ever weighed in my life. I knew that my clothes had been fitting tighter. I knew that I had put on weight after having a baby, after moving three times in four years, after COVID. So I meet the doctor and she asks, you know, I understand you have some questions about your weight. And I say, you know, I noticed my weight's been steadily increasing. I don't even know the right question to ask. Like, am I overweight or am I fat? And she scanned her computer And she said, well, according to the BMI chart, your current weight puts you in the obesity category. So I wasn't just fat, I was obese. And it felt like my brain was shrinking away from the sides of my skull. I just felt this hot prickle of shame on my skin and in my stomach. And what I heard in that moment was, you eat too much. And the whole experience made me feel very shameful, but it also really forced me to reconcile the bias I had had against fat people and also made me wonder how, as a woman, I'm supposed to navigate what my doctor is telling me with what society wants for me, what I want for myself, and what I want to be able to model for my young daughter when it comes to having a positive body image. And so I really appreciated this question about who gets to call themselves fat and really hope to learn more about how to understand and be an ally for people who are, in fact, in larger bodies. So this is a complicated one, right? 
And listening to this, I mostly just think like, wow, if we had true weight-inclusive healthcare where getting on the scale was not going to dictate your entire fucking medical appointment, Layla would probably have a completely different relationship with her body, and so would millions of other people. Yeah, I found this one honestly, like, relatable, because I I also feel like the experience of going to the doctor's office, like, as a person in a larger body is, like, you're trying so hard to, like, prove yourself, you know, like, prove that you're, like, the good fatty or Mm -hmm. whatever. To me, it sounds like she's almost trying to, like, end run the doctor being, like, you need to lose weight. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know from interviewing doctors about this that there's, like, a weird chicken and egg thing where, like, often patients bring up weight loss because they assume the doctor wants them to be losing weight. And then the doctor is like, well, they asked about weight loss, so I have to prescribe weight loss. You know, it's like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy being driven by bias on both sides, which is a very complicated dynamic. And I say this not to like criticize the patient who brings that up. Like that's like an understandable survival strategy in a very fraught encounter. But It definitely, like, just narrows the scope of the conversation. Like, who knows what else was going on with her health, right? Like, she mentions, like, having had a baby, like, getting through COVID, moving a bunch, like, so tons of stress. Like, yeah, maybe her weight is not the most important thing about what's going on with Layla's health. Probably not. Probably it's not for most of us. But Yeah, and just, like, the shame just doesn't help. And I think this also really shows, like, why it's important— to whatever extent feels possible, to neutralize the concept of fatness. Because if we didn't have that knee-jerk shame response, it also wouldn't matter so much the doctors bring it up in the way they do. Which is not to say, like, it's on you not to experience bias because you're experiencing bias. But, like, yeah, if we could more clearly hold the way you would if someone made a racist statement, like, that this is that person's problem, not a problem with my body. Like, that, yeah. holding on to that um, is hard to do with this. One of the reasons why we do try to reclaim the word fat is to also be able to acknowledge and center the experience of people who are experiencing more stigma. And now we're going to hear from Anne. I'm a mid-fat, I'm white, I'm an asexual biromantic. So for me, reclaiming fat has been part of the work I'm doing to prepare to be a parent in a few years. My mom has her own struggles with her weight, even getting bariatric surgery at one point, and it's made me really uncomfortable with who I was. For some things, being mid-fat is annoying, like planes, restaurants, seats. For some things, it's frustrating. I'm starting to be sized out of in-store Torrid and Lane Bryant, for example. But the biggest thing that frustrates me is buying furniture or tools. I needed to buy an eight-foot ladder for my house. Every single one I looked at was rated for 250 pounds or under. I couldn't even find a ladder that would accommodate my weight. Or if I do find something weight rated for me, like folding chairs, it's super ugly or not as useful as the straight size. So people don't even have to think about a chair breaking on you. Yeah, I mean, I was just like hard relief. Like, it's so hard to find shit. Like, yeah. Like chairs, come chairs, on. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend tell me recently that our dining chairs are not super comfortable for her to sit in. And mm. I'm horrified. I mean, and I'm really glad she told me because they have arms and I think they just like cut mm. in too much. 
So I do now have like two armless ones that we can bring up mm. if someone comes over. I really wanted to use this as an excuse to buy an entire new set of dining room chairs, but that felt somewhat excessive. <laughs> Although obviously every seat at my table should be size inclusive. I mean, you do have a good excuse now. Yeah. Right? Except it's an accessibility issue. <laughs> Absolutely. In your private dining room. Right. But I do now have some better chairs. This is maddening. This is maddening that it is in so many realms of life. Also, just like a ladder, like... Good Lord. You know not everyone using a ladder is 250 pounds or less. Like, there's no way on earth. Absolutely not. I mean, that's really like just... I mean, so dangerous. Ladders freak me out. Just baseline. I'm really scared of ladders. So the idea that like they aren't making them sturdy enough is really... (laughs) I know. It seems like the cutoff is so often like 250. Like, I'm just so curious how that became like the number. You know, it's probably some like industrial technicality. Like, that's the scale they have to test the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, it only goes up to 250 or something? Right. Like, it has nothing to do with any market research on who their customer is or how, what size people's bodies actually come in. They're like, this is the scale we have here in the factories. There's no thought in trying to be size inclusive. Right. Or they would have found, you know, a way to both make a better ladder and rate it higher. Or maybe it's like a liability thing. Like they're only responsible if the ladder breaks for someone who weighs under that amount. So maybe that's an incentive to set it as low as possible. So you're like responsible for the least number of people falling off your ladder. Oh, God, that's so shitty. I think you're right. This one also reminded me that as we're talking about language, it is useful to make the distinction between mid-fat and mid-size. This has tripped me up in the past. We now all know from mid-size queens that mid-size is like a size four with a large rib cage. <laughs> or technically, it was supposed to be between plus straight size. and plus sizes. But it's being very misused and being used to distance from fatness very concretely, whereas mid-fat is like between small fat and super fat, right? This is from the fat lip. Yeah, Ash at the fat lip, yeah. Mid-fat is defined as 2X, 3X, size 20 to 24, torrid 2 or 3. Got it. Okay. And of course, that's super confusing because like sizing is not standardized at retailers there's so many brands where the 3X is like a 1X somewhere else, et cetera. But just have that language is useful. Okay. Next, we're going to hear from Christiane, who had an experience where she actually didn't use the word fat. But I think reclaiming the word is what enabled her to do this advocacy. So by the definitions of the fat community, I would be considered mid-fat. I've been small fat or mid-fat for most of my life. But at 52 years old, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've felt comfortable using the term fat as a neutral term to describe my body. Had a lot of things to unpack with that term always being derogatory, but now it's just a fact. So I'm trying to be very cognizant when I use it that people know that I'm being neutral, that it's really obvious. So I'm just stating a fact about my body size and I'm not passing a judgment about myself. If I'm in a situation where I don't want to get into it and I don't want to open up a discussion about the term fat, I'll just say larger body. So like when I was trying out office chairs at the furniture showroom, I said to the sales guy that one thing I really appreciated about the chair I ended up buying was that it came in three different sizes so I could get one that was actually designed to fit my larger body. I wanted him to know that I valued that aspect of the product and that that was part of why I was buying it. But I didn't need to get into the bigger discussion about the word fat. So large or larger, 
would be those factual but not as loaded words that I will use if that feels like it's too much in the context. One word I'm not a fan of is curvy, because first of all, it's euphemistic, but it's also inaccurate for me. I'm not curvy. I don't have an hourglass shape. I don't have large breasts. And it's also a word that emphasizes some sort of feminine, quote, ideal, end quote, and it seems to be coded as, you know, fat, but still stereotypically feminine, as if that's a thing that I'm supposed to aspire to. I like this comment a lot. I could relate, and I think I've done the same thing myself. It's just that thing where you, like, know someone else might be uncomfortable with the word fat, mm-hmm. so you use, like, larger body or something like that to describe the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I also liked what Christian had to say about the word curvy, and feeling like it wasn't a word that applied. I think Christian's totally right. You think curvy, you think hourglass shape. And yeah, as someone who's not an hourglass shape, I'm always like, what do I do with that? You know, but who yeah. does have boobs for the record? I don't know. Like, it's just a weird term because it comes with it, this whole like set of definitions about like which curves are good. Yeah. Well, and it feels like curvy is like, like you can still be like curvy and like, sexy. Mm-hmm. There's something like Kristen says like feminine or something like that. Yeah, there's so many terrible euphemisms. Fluffy is another one that drives oh me. Oh my god. It's really bad. Fluffy is the one I was going to bring up. I hate that one. And I admit there was a point in my life where I thought it was cute. Mm. And I am not okay with that aspect of <laughs> And I also think the euphemisms are just so unhelpful because like you said, like when you were uh, like reading that teen magazine and not knowing what plus size meant, this is the other reason to reclaim that and to use that if you feel any really identity with it. Because like, let's just be clear about what we're fucking saying and not like yeah. dress it up. All right, so we're going to end with Lauren, who shares a recent experience where being able to say I'm fat, yay Lauren, helped to concretely improve a medical experience. I'm looking for a physical therapist for a shoulder injury, in addition to some other things. Filtering from my neighborhood, there were two insurance possibilities. One openly said that they'll help you with weight loss, which is a huge red flag. So I took a chance on the strength of a very upfront Black Lives Matter policy and filled out the intake form for the other physical therapist. This physical therapist called me a few days later to confirm my appointment and see if I wanted to be put on a wait list to get in sooner. We talked about my complaints a bit, primary shoulder with secondary leg tendonitis, but she hadn't gone over my forms yet. We hung up. No more than 30 seconds later, she called me back, having looked over my information. On the intake form, there's a spot for anything you'd want them to know. So I wrote something to the effect of, I am fat. I believe in a weight-neutral framework and will not accept weight loss as a treatment suggestion, as my complaints are unrelated to my body size. I just request that if you're not comfortable working with a health-at-every-size philosophy, that you let me know so I can continue researching PTs. But if you do, I'm looking forward to working with you. So back to this physical therapist calling me back. She sounded so excited. I just love how you advocated for yourself and you have absolutely contacted the right place. The local newspaper just did a three-part Sunday piece about how our medical system is overly focused on weight loss and the O-word epidemic. And I cut out the article from the Sunday paper and hung it up because it's important to remind myself and also let other people know where my values are. I'm all about building strength and balancing body you have and helping you do the things that you want to do. For me, it was such a shot in the dark and such an incredible affirmation from a thin medical professional. 
I start with them this month and maybe it will be different experience once we get going, though I kind of doubt it. Listening to you, Virginia, and Aubrey Gordon and Mikey and so many others, as well as finding community in the comments sections, the Facebook groups, and cultivating my care team to be weight neutral has been such a life-changing experience. Embracing the reality and cutting through the bullshit has led to some really positive relationships in my life. Thank you. Yeah, this one is just lovely. Just like Lauren, yay you. I love that you did this advocacy and I love that the physical therapist was so responsive. Yeah, I love the physical therapist's response. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy. That, that she had the newspaper article cut out. Like, amazing. I know. Amazing. More of this. More of this, please. Yeah. And I think this just really underscores why being able, like, even if you're in a context where you're not exactly using the word, like you were saying before and the previous story, I think the act of reclaiming it is what enables you to then do that kind of advocacy. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so thank you so much for everyone who sent in your voice memos. We really love hearing from you. It's so fun to have all your voices on the show. And I hope this discussion was helpful. Or if you are someone who's thinking about how to use this word, maybe this moved you a little bit forward towards feeling good about saying that. And we are going to wrap up like we always do with butter. So Corinne, what do you have for us? So my butter is an essay that I just saw a couple days ago from the writer Carmen Maria Machado. She just published like a kind of a musing on the movie The Whale, which we just talked about. The piece is called When Whales Fly, and I I recommend it. It was just like a really good read. And again, I'm just like so grateful to everyone who was willing to interact with that movie in order to produce much better art. Like that's... yeah really the best possible outcome of that travesty. So thank you, Carmen, always for your beautiful work. My better is the leggings I keep talking about. If you're following me on Instagram, I'm sorry you've already heard about this. But I just tried Girlfriend Collective for the first time, and they are like, I feel like they're one of those, like, can you even call yourself, like, in, like, fat fashion (laughs) if you haven't done Girlfriend Collective? (laughs) Like, I feel Uh, like I just, like, got a punch on my card or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was important that I do this. I have the high-waist compression leggings. Okay. And they are the only leggings I have had in a very long time that do not fall down. Now, I will tell you, when I said that on Instagram, I immediately heard from a bunch of people who said they fall down because that's how clothes work. Like... (laughs) I can't guarantee this. I did hear from a lot of hourglass-shaped people saying this, so they may be, mm. like, the fit model may be more of a apple, for lack of a better word, shape. So if that is your struggle, it's not a struggle. Our bodies are great. But if clothes that fit that shape is your struggle, then this might be a good brand for you. They're super comfortable. They do not fall down. They really hold their shape well, like no saggy knees, etc. The fabric is very thick, It's, like, very, like, it's just very thick. Like, at first I was, like, will these, like, move with me? Like, it's dense. Yeah. But I actually really like, and it's probably, like, more athletic feeling. Like, I don't think these are, like, a dressy legging. Like, a little shiny. It's a little shiny. But I don't mind it. I'm enjoying it. And I did get the 
Paloma bra to go with it. Those are just one of their sports bras that I'm also really liking. And I'm like, this is my first time doing like a set. Did you get a cute color? I got navy blue, but I might I might have wild iris on order. It hasn't come yet, so stay tuned. Since a really pretty like periwinkle purple, and I was like, well, maybe I need that for spring. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned on that. I'm not wearing them to be athletic in. I'm just. I was wearing them to do my taxes last weekend, Mm. and I was like, everything about this day is a dumpster fire, but I do love my outfit. So that was good. Yeah, I recently started wearing a lot more leggings because of going to the gym. Like, I started wearing them to the gym, and then I was like, oh, these are so comfortable. And you're like, why am I wearing real hard I need to be wearing leggings all the time. Yeah. Well, and you Um, were doing actual athletic things in them with your weightlifting, so. But that, I mean, it went from that to just, like, everyday life, so. Well, that's, Um, like, I have different leggings I wear for if I'm going to do, like, one of my Lauren videos or go walk the dog in the woods. And these are my nice leggings. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, these are my keep nice leggings. That. Wow. Fancy <laughs> leggings. I mean, they do wear out. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, like, for a long time, I was on the universal standard bandwagon of leggings. And those leggings don't fall down either. They're very okay, high-waisted. Okay, which ones, though? Because they have, like, 10 different leggings. Maybe I have next to naked. Is it, like, a matte it's matte Athletic and it's material? much thinner. It's much thinner than the girlfriend collectives. And my criticism of them is that they pill in the oh, thighs. Like when yes. you know your thighs are they black? I have black, they- I have navy, and I have like a sort of a I don't know, like a sea green, sea foam. Yes. That's the next to naked, I okay. think. Okay. Super comfortable. Those ones do pill. And there's not really any compression. And I didn't know that I liked compression. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying compression from like a makes me look thinner, still look that. I just like it from like a, I don't know, like it feels more sensory. Yeah, it's like a nice sensory experience. Yeah, it's like being wrapped in a little cocoon. <laughs> totally. I like it. And and I know Mia O'Malley was talking about this and how like it kind of helped her feel more like supported, like her mm. belly and her back. Like, I mean, it's mild. It's not like you're wearing like a back brace. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, I feel like my posture is a little better in them. Mm. Anyway. Interesting. Have you tried Girlfriend Collective? I feel like I tried them a long time ago, and I remember thinking they fell down. No, all right. Um, Safe. Don't trust me. The leggings I like now are, I like super figure. They are next on my list. I actually think it's a similar thing, but they have a pocket, which I really like. Okay, that's an upgrade, yeah. And it's the, like, athletic gi material. They don't have a waistband. And then I like these ones from Universal Standard that are more, like, cottony and have a waistband. Okay. And they're more like, I do wear them to the gym, but I also like would wear them to run errands or whatever. Right, right. But it's not like an athletic material. It feels more just like a stretchy pants. Yeah, yeah. This is good intel. All right, people. This was a great conversation about fatness and also an unexpected deep dive into legging science. So people have been asking for legging science. There you go. Little, little bonus for you. That's what we got for you today. Thank you so much for listening to Burnt Toast. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free in your podcast player and leave us a rating or review. These really help folks find the show. The Burnt Toast podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soulsmith. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the underscore Soulsmith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne, who also did a ton of work pulling this whole episode together. 
Corinne runs at Sell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell. And Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism.